Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining me for a devotion again this week. I apologize that it's come out a day later. I've been a little bit sicky the first half of this week, uh, and so I didn't have the energy <laughs> to record. But we are here nonetheless, and it's only Thursday, and we're still looking at 1 John chapter 5, and this morning we're looking at verses 6 through to 12. 1 John 5, 6 to 12. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is truth. For the three are, uh, sorry, for there are three that testify: the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And the three are in agreement. We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater, because it is the testimony of God which he has given about his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar, because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. The issue of water and blood is an interesting one and has often been open to many interpretations. But the most favored interpretation is that water refers to Jesus' baptism. Now we know that Jesus didn't need to be baptized for repentance because he had done nothing wrong. But rather, as Matthew 3.15 uh, says, it was to fulfill all righteousness. And so by being baptized, even though he didn't need to be baptized, Jesus identified with sinful man in the fullest sense. Now it's also at Jesus' baptism that an audible voice from heaven spoke and said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So that's the water. Now the blood often refers to, or the most favored interpretation rather, of the blood refers to how and why Jesus died, his crucifixion. He died for us, he died uh, a painful death, and I think included in that as well is the fact that he rose from the dead. But also, there were tangible signs uh, of witness to this testimony at the, crucif at the crucifixion. Um, the, temple in the, the curtain in the temple tore in two, the sky went dark, and all those things. So we have these signs to establish witness. Now Jewish law requires two to three witnesses to establish the truth. And John gives them here the Spirit, whom he says is truth to start with. But we've got the Spirit, we've got the water, and we've got the blood. And all three are in agreement with each other. Because it is the Spirit who helps us to know these things and to understand these things. But they are the three witnesses. Now if you'll remember... At the beginning of 1 John, we saw John responding to uh, the problem of Gnosticism in his congregation. Gnosticism, just a quick reminder, is the belief or the religion rather that an esoteric knowledge of uh, the divine will save you. So just sort of random intellectual pursuits, understanding will save you. And so to them, Jesus was a simple intellectual concept, an intellectual pursuit. And John's saying, no, 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 he is a real man. Here's the witness for the testimony. Three witnesses. We've got the Spirit who teaches us and shows us that Jesus is the Son of God. But we've got the water. We see that Jesus identified with man. We've got the blood. We see that Jesus died 
for man and uh, by implication rose again so we've got these witnesses uh, against this Gnostic idea of who Jesus is and it seems far-fetched and uh, detached from our reality but how often we fall into Gnosticism as well Jesus becomes nothing more than an intellectual pursuit for us. Am I reading my Bible enough? Am I doing my quiet time enough? Am I going to church? Uh, do I know the Gospels enough? And all these things are wonderful and great and are necessary. But when they get stuck in our minds and they don't translate into our lives, then all Jesus is to us is like the Gnostics, an intellectual concept. He's just somebody that we know, or something that we know. We know what he did, we know what he stood for, we know what maybe his role is now at the right hand of God with all authority being given to him. But we don't know who he is. We don't have a relationship with him. And we must be careful that as Christians, Jesus doesn't just become religion to us, intellectual religion to us. He's our savior, he's our God. He's the one who, who loves us and died for us. He's the one uh, through whom God made the world, the word by which God spoke. Jesus is so much more than an intellectual concept, and we must be careful not to make him any less than he is. In any sense, whether that's we degrade him into an intellectual concept or we degrade him into a, a, an imaginary friend, or Santa Claus who grants us all our wishes, we must be careful to respect the Son of God and to know Him for who He is. And again, as we've seen in this uh, first letter of John, it's all about the Son of God. He actually says, if you do not accept the testimony of God about Jesus being His Son, then you make God out to be a liar. Now, if God is lying about Jesus, the Son of God, well, who's to say that he's not lying about creation, that he's not lying about the Ten Commandments, that he's not lying about how much he loves us, that he's not lying about being the great I am. And you'll see this. Many secular historians will agree that Jesus was a very real person, but at the same time they will deny that there's a God. And this is just one of the many ways that we see it happening. If we get it wrong with the Son of God, we get it wrong with Creator God. And get it wrong with Father God, with, with uh, God the Spirit, with the whole Godhead. We, it, it falls apart if we take out one person. Uh, and we cannot do that. We, we need to be intentional about being uh, correct and knowing the truth about the Son of God. We cannot be callous with the person of Jesus. It all hinges on Him. And so what can we learn from going through this bit of 1 John this morning? Well, biggest thing for me is that, like I said, we need to get the person of Jesus right. And we've said this before, but let's be intentional about it. Let's not make him a mere intellectual concept. Let's not make him a mere imaginary friend who makes us feel good. Let's not make him into a Santa Claus who grants all our wishes when we pray to him. Let's know him for who he is, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the one about whom we have testimony, tangible witness, and the one uh, about whom the Spirit testifies the truth. We've got the Son of God, and without Him we don't have God in truth.
We don't have God for who he is. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word to us this morning again. Thank you for reminding us that it's all about Jesus. Thank you that we have this wonderful testimony about who he is. Thank you for what you've done for us, Lord Jesus. That you identified with us, that you died for us, that you rose again. And that the Spirit of God now binds all these together in truth to open our hearts and our eyes to who you really are. Forgive us where we've made you an intellectual concept, where we've made you an, an imaginary friend, where we've made you a vending machine to answer all our requests, our requests. Forgive us, I pray. Forgive us and help us to know you for who you really are. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Thank you for this beautiful, wonderful testimony that we have. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you for who you are. We bless you and we honor you as our Savior, as the Son of God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.